So I wanted to start with the story of the Apostle Saul, who at this point has recently switched to using his Roman name of Paul. And during that time, he had traveled all over and he had preached the gospel to tons of different people. But I want to specifically focus on the people in Rome. Paul had gone and taught the people in Rome, set up a church there, and then he had left. And during that time, there had been some intense situations where there was a Jewish community there, there was a non-Jewish community there, and many of them had come together and were a part of this Christian church. The Jewish people were then expelled by Claudius and then later were allowed to come back to Rome. When the Jewish believers come back, the church looked very different. You have a bunch of non-Jewish people who don't have the same customs and traditions like how the Sabbath day was handled and kosher foods. And the Jewish people come back to their Christian church and there begins to be a lot of tension and conflict over how to live the Christian life. So Paul now is writing a letter back to the people in Rome, trying to bring unity and faith and peace to the group and trying to solve some of these issues, but also to tackle some of the, the bigger ideas of love and peace and that certain things don't matter in the end when it's compared to each other and to Christ. And closer to the end of his letter, which is now the New Testament book of Romans, he says this very interesting line in 15 verse 13. He says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so the beginning, God of hope, a title for God, which I love, and filling you with all with joy and peace in believing, meaning like, may God help you all get together and work together and feel joy and peace, that then together you may have hope and abound in hope that it is bountiful, this hope, through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, he is trying to say, has a influence or is one of the ways that we can experience hope or come to have hope in God. And that's the focus of this episode. And so we're going to go through a couple of scriptures and break down what does that mean for the power of the Holy Ghost to help us to abound in hope. In Moroni 8 verse 2, it says, Because of meekness and lowliness of heart cometh the visitation of the Holy Ghost, which comforter filleth with hope and perfect love. You'll notice there the title comforter. If you look up the word comfort, it means to give hope to. His name comforter literally means a giver of hope. And in Doctrine and Covenants 88 verses 3 and 4, it says, Wherefore, I now send upon you another comforter, even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise. Which other comforter is the same that I promise unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John? This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life even the glory of the celestial kingdom. Now, it doesn't say specifically hope in that verse, but this comforter is the promise which I give unto you eternal life, that God is giving us the spirit as a part of his promise for us to receive eternal glory with him. We'll dive into that a little bit more, but remember that idea that it is part of the covenant experience that we receive the spirit and is part of the gift of that covenant. Jacob 4 verse 13, For the Spirit speaketh the truth and lieth not. Wherefore, it speaketh of things as they really are, and of things as they really will be. Wherefore, these things are manifest unto us plainly for the salvation of our souls. Another different way we look at it is that the Spirit helps us to know who God really is and understand what his promises and covenants actually mean, and that he speaketh the truth and lieth not. As a member of the Godhead, he also is perfect in his ability to tell the truth and to not lie to us and to teach us things as they really are and as they really will be. 
And so let's summarize all of this with a different scripture, Ephesians 1 verses 13 to 14, which says, In whom ye also trusted, and after that ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Three things, that we are sealed, the Holy Spirit of promise, and the earnest of our inheritance. So we'll start with seal or sealed. And the MacArthur New Testament commentary has a really great essay on this and how it has connections to the idea of sealing a letter or putting a seal on a contract. And they list four important reasons that that symbolism or that idea of a seal is used in connection with the spirit. And the first one is security. And they say the seal or insignia guaranteed that everything in the package was in order. Nothing was missing, broken, inferior, or shattered. Everything was whole and complete. So we often see seals on our packages or our letters. It's an important way for us to feel safe about that product. But in regards to the Spirit and to us personally, when we are baptized and we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are cleansed and made whole. And we have that sealed upon us that we are now whole and complete and that we have been changed. And thus the Spirit then also becomes our shield and our guide. And furthermore, Rick Renner says that insignia or seal was the guarantee that the package would be delivered to its final destination. It was like the highest postage stamp one could put on a package. The seal guaranteed that it would arrive at its ultimate destination unharmed. And so as we keep that seal upon ourselves, keeping the gift of the Holy Ghost with us at all times through worthiness and trust and faith and hope in God, the Holy Ghost actually helps us to return to live with God again. The second way that a seal was important was to show authenticity. It meant that if you saw that seal on something, for example, a king would send out an edict to the people and would have his seal on the letter, then the people would know that that came from the king because that's the king's seal. The idea through the Bible and through the New Testament of seals were important in trying to determine authenticity. And when we are baptized and receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost, we are sealed as true followers of Christ. The third thing is ownership. We are marked as God's as we have his seal upon us. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. When we have that seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And Edmund Clowney, a Presbyterian theologian, has this great quote. He says, God not only claims us for himself, he also gives us claim on him. The Spirit certifies his promise. His pledge to us. Indeed, the Spirit is God's keeping of His promise. God's deed of purchase is sealed to the day of redemption, not merely by an outward sign, but by the keeping of the promise of the Father, as Jesus said. The coming of the Spirit is the blessing promised to Abraham. I love that. God not only claims us for Himself, He also gives us claim on Him. And now we have entered into a covenant relationship with Him, and that Spirit is the way God is keeping His promise. And we'll talk a little bit more about it after this last point, which is authority. When someone had a seal or had a letter with the seal, they were given a clear responsibility in the authority to act in such a way to deliver that letter or to act. Nowadays, for example, with the priesthood, we are given authority to preach and teach and act and use his power in his name. And that's a part of being sealed his or receiving of that seal through the spirit. In the last verse of Come Thou Found, it says, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. So that was the first part was sealed in Ephesians. The second part was the Holy Spirit of promise. Elder David A. Bednar 
says the Holy Spirit of promise is the ratifying power of the Holy Ghost. When sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, an ordinance, vow, or covenant is binding on earth and in heaven. Now, this is why understanding the Spirit is so essential for hope, is that the Spirit ratifies the covenant that is made and shows that it is binding on earth and in heaven. So when we make a covenant with God and we feel the Spirit in that moment, we are feeling the Holy Spirit of promise, saying this covenant is true, it is binding, God is real, God has heard us, and is entering into that covenant relationship with us as we go through the steps that he has laid out to make that covenant with him. This is so essentially important for us to experience that hope and that it's actually agreed to by God, this covenant, not just a one-sided promise in the dark. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, the spirit confirms and authenticates covenants and ordinances. The word authenticate means to prove to be true or genuine. Confirm is to remove doubts by an authoritative statement or indisputable facts. That's essential for hope indisputable facts, the words of God are facts, and we can have hope in that, and the Spirit confirms that to our souls. Second Nephi 31 verse 18, and ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made. He's a witness. He witnesses that that promise will be fulfilled and is being fulfilled. Hebrews 10 verses 15 to 17, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. The Holy Ghost witnesses of those amazing promises that we can be changed and that we can improve and that we can move forward and that God will remember our sins and iniquities no more. And the definition of witness is the one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to its having taken place. The Holy Spirit can testify that this actually happened, that this covenant is real. And so I like to imagine that when we sign legal documents today, you sign your name and that there's a witness line. And when I make a covenant with God, I'm signing this document and then the Holy Spirit is signing his name underneath of that document. In Romans 80, 27, it talks about how the Spirit intercedes on our behalf and represents us while also representing the Father and that he is, in that sense, a type of mediator. I love to think about that, that my baptismal contract has a spirit signature on it. Not that that actually is what happens, but that idea. Lawrence R. Flake said, the sealing of earthly covenants and performances is conditional and depends upon the recipient's personal commitment and worthiness. If a person who has received the Holy Spirit of promise subsequently becomes unrighteous, the seal is broken until full repentance and forgiveness occur. And that's so important to remember is that once we get this seal, it doesn't mean like it's a free ride for the rest of your life. This is conditional based on us living up to our side of this contract. Just the same as when we sign any contract in any situation, it's two-sided. And if we break that covenant, that contract is no longer legal or binding to the other party. They can step away from that contract. This is the reason that the priesthood is so important, is that we believe strongly that through all time and history, God has given priesthood authority to his people, to those who are worthy and follow that line of authority and do it in the way that God has prescribed. Because he is giving the authority to act and speak in his name to those holding priesthood authority. And that they are acting in such a way that when a covenant is made and the priesthood is a part of that covenant making process, that it is confirmed and sealed by the Spirit and that it is accepted of God. Now, last part of that Ephesian scriptures is the word earnest. 
Earnest in the Bible dictionary means a pledge or security. The word thus translated is a commercial term denoting the deposit paid by a buyer on entering into an agreement for the purchase of anything. As used by Paul in Ephesians, it means that the Lord gives us his Holy Spirit in this life as a foretaste of the joy of eternal life. The Spirit is also the Lord's surety that he will fulfill his promise to give eternal life to the faithful. That is awesome. The Spirit is a foretaste of eternal life. When we feel the Spirit, we are actually tasting eternal life. We're getting a little nibble, a little taste of what it will be like when we return to live with our Heavenly Father. And that the Spirit is also the down payment, the Lord's surety that he will fulfill his promise to give eternal life to the faithful. That's his initial investment. That's his little down payment. The first bit of the payment that he gives to us is he gives us a bit of the spirit and saying, this shows that I am committed to this covenant to have you through learning and growth and through the atonement come back to live with me. Here is just a taste. And so when we have rejected the truth after having felt that spirit, we are deciding in a way that that bit of heaven that we experienced is not worth it and that God's gift in the next life isn't really for us. For me, that's so interesting. It just changes how I feel about the Spirit and what I think about when I do feel the Spirit. Now, in Romans 5, verse 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And the translation of that verse is that hope won't fail us, because we know that God loves us and we feel his love through the Spirit. Often we expect the Spirit to be a quick feel-good fix, when in reality one of his primary goals is to provide hope by confirming that promises will be fulfilled. Just want to end with this awesome quote by Lawrence C. Corbridge, who says, Pay whatever price you must pay, bear whatever burden you must bear, and make whatever sacrifice you must make to get and keep in your life the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Every good thing depends on getting and keeping the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Everything depends on that. And I know that that's true. I know that God has given us a spirit as a way to build trust with him, as a witness to the covenant we have made, and that as we feel the spirit, we are feeling heaven. Hey.